What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. How's it going? Going great, going great. Just gearing up, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving, so about we're both about to travel. We are. We're about to hit the road. Head home, see our familias. Which actually makes... Uh, this topic tie in really kind of well with what it we're going to be. Actually, that's so does. weird. I that's didn't funny. think about that. Okay, we'll that's talk really about funny. it in we'll a second. That in a second. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah. it. But in case you did not know, Team Chat Podcast is a weekly video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. If you want to listen to us, you can do that by subscribing to podcast services around the World Wide Web. New episodes come out every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can also watch each episode on YouTube and Twitch. Links for all that stuff is in the description below or by doing a quick Google search. You can find it all pretty easily. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can join our Discord server. And if you would like to support the show because you're really loving what we're creating, you can do that as well by going to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast where it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show and in return we will give you a cool perk like in the episodes early before their general Tuesday release and access to a private team ch- private patron-only channel on our Discord, the Rogues Gallery. There indeed. Go. Got it out there. You got it. Got it out there, indeed. But so, it's now time to get a little bit of news from Mogan on what is coming out soon. Uh, almost nothing. Or any other the game The end news. of the year, at least for November and December this year, is looking light. Right, because um, we just had only... the big Pokemon Let's Go come yeah. out. We've had all the big October releases. Now we're just waiting for the last little December like releases. August, September, October were like the it's big heavy. heavy hitters. It's heavy. And now we're just like chilling out. So uh, out tomorrow, no, out of out as of this episode's air date on November 27th, we have Darksiders 3 oh. for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Tomorrow on November 28th, we have Artifact for PC. November 30th, a nice little installment, we have Katamari Damachi re-roll for Switch and PC, and then coming very soon, um, well, I guess we don't want to get into December quite yet. Smash! Smash! Yeah, everybody knows. Everybody (laughs) knows there's only one game coming out in December, and it's Smash, and it's going to cannibalize everything else out there. So, uh, coming soon in December, we won't say what date will keep you in suspense, even though you can totally find that information on your own. Smash Ultimate. Yep, there you go. But that's for another time. Another Another day. All right. Well, so what I'm going to do, instead of our normal Red Dead Roundup right here, I had to cut it from last week's episode due to time, due to that episode going a little long. So I'm going to include that here. Oh, okay. Clever. Unless, of course, this episode goes long. But I'll probably still just keep it in there. So let's just um, pause and then make shitty comments about past Jared, whom we hate. Yes. Future Jared is the one we like. That's true. Okay. And present Jared. And Everybody loves Well, he's Jared. all right. He's okay. me- medium ground. All right. So my Red Dead Roundup for this week, I had just I probably I, I played finally a mission that I had heard a lot about, but and was excited to get to. Basically, and it's not super spoiler; nothing big happens in it. So, but it's just super fun. You take you wind up taking one of your uh, companions who lives in the camp with you that you all share with the rest of the Vanderland gang. You take him into town because he had a rough day. He just escaped like a bad situation. You take him into town to get drunk, and basically you just go to the saloon, and you can either start it by like antagonizing this one other drunk guy, or like trying to be friendly with him and all that and then it just goes on this wild bender it's like really <laughs> trippy you get drunk progressively and like the screen's all moving and waving and being crazy arthur's like stumbling all over the place and you keep losing your companion through in the in just the saloon like every group of drunk girls on sixth street <laughs> they always lose the one friend and so they're going they're going along you're going along you keep like having to go find a minute and you like have to go check rooms at one point you walk in on a couple doing it oopsies oh, no. and, but then like he, you start thinking every other person in the bar is your companion because he looks like they like look like him so you keep going up to him lenny <laughs> 
what are you doing? And they're like, I'm not Lenny. I don't know. <laughs> and then you finally find Lenny. And it was just this crazy, like, oh, the, it really played no role. Like, Which is, that's what a side quest is supposed to do. Right. It's supposed to be a fun thing that you do for no good reason. Oh, yeah. Other than that, it's fun. Right. And a that's plus. exactly what this was. And it was hilarious. And it was great. And it was just one of the, actually, one of the more fun things I've done in Red yeah. Dead 2 so far. Because side quests are the best. Yeah. Don't do the main quest. Uh, ever. I'm, I actually think it was main quest, though. How? I'm just a, like a bridge, story bridge, I think, pretty much, is about how they're handling it. Is but, Lenny uh, going to turn out to be the secret true villain? Who knows? Of, because he's mad that you took him on that bender and lost him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Just turns he against me. He really betrayed. Uh, but the really only other big thing is I, ha- I, did the, I did do another story mission where you had to rescue another companion from your group and wound up like fighting a bunch of law agents and everything, some Pinkertons, is, as they're called, you know, or some sheriffs and all that. Wound up racking up like a $150 bounty on my head. Is that a lot in yeah, Red Dead lot. dollars? Okay. You, you collect cents from people's <laughs> bodies. <laughs> so uh, gotcha. it's going to take me a little bit to pay off that bounty. Oh, dear. But uh, that would be the big updates that I've had in Red Dead so far uh, from this last week. So that re- concludes the Red Dead Roundup for this week. Before we jump into our main topic, we did have some comments that we wanted to share with everyone from our good friend Brandon Weaver, who uh, commented over on our YouTube channel on our latest episode about the Game Awards. So he had a controversy. Few, I hope a little bit, maybe yes, yeah, a little bit. I, I love controversy. So Give he me says, the hot gossip. <laughs> a few thoughts. I think Dad of Boy sweeps the awards <laughs> instead That's of Red funny. Dead Two. Jeff uh. Keighley is a massive tool. Okay, so there's a little bit of controversy right Wait, there. Wait, was Jeff Keighley the director? He's like the host organizer. Oh, the on. host? Yeah, Who's like, Jeff Keighley? He has been, I don't know his full biography, but I just know he's been in the games industry for a long time. And well, this is, and the Game Awards is his brainchild. So, oh, okay. He, well, Brandon's Brand- calling him out. If Brandon These are Brandon's says, words. Yeah, well, they're probably correct, <laughs> I mean, to TBH. No, I mean, I mean, Brandon, he has accurate and great thoughts. Thoughts and Strong, excellent, a man excellent of conviction. Hot takes. hot takes. Yes. We should have Brandon's hot takes. <laughs> I know that should be just a section on the show. Brandon, let's make it happen. I think Celeste is deserving of its praise, but I didn't adore it as much as others. I certainly didn't have the urge to continue with it after I reached the credits to unlock the extra levels. Amazing soundtrack, though. So he agrees with us on there. He Christopher didn't Judge. B sides. I guess not. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Judge is indeed a fine ass man. We he all is. agree on that. He's damn fine. And of all the games I played this year, Dead Cells, The Messenger, Dad of Boy, and Hollow Knight are the ones <laughs> I like the most. Hollow Knight technically came out last year, but I played the Switch version, which came out this year, so I'm counting it. One other thing. And actually, last year, Hollow Knight was up for, I think, a bunch of nominations. I think it was, too. It did really awards. well. Deserved nominated, it. Nominated-wise. One other thing. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the Golden Joystick Awards, but Hidetaka Miyazaki of Dark Souls fame won the Lifetime Achievement Award this past weekend, and I thought that was pretty neat. I did see that. I did and see I that as like, well. That was just kudos, post. Kudos, good sir. That was post our recording. So, yeah, yeah that's a pretty was. big achievement. Uh, but So, definitely want to give a shout-out to that as well. But now it's time to get into our main topic of the day, which, as we said and alluded to, it kind of ties into going home over the holidays. Although not necessarily not the, holidays. the holidays. It's more like just a place of emotional safety. Yes. Like where you're spiritually connected to. Because the topic for today, suggested by one of our patrons, you too can give us suggestions if you subscribe to the show on Patreon, uh, is Hub Worlds. Yes. So I uh, Bromo Hub, wor- Hub Worlds, Home Worlds, Hub Cities, like... Player bases, social very, areas. It's a very yeah. uh, broad term, but a hub world is essentially any area of a video game that you consider to be the 
res- the, re- the respite from the rest of the world. It's where yeah. you go to rest, recharge, get ready for the next quest. So hub worlds are a common feature of a lot of video games. Some of the oldest examples would be Peach's Castle from mm-hmm. Mario 64. Yep. Uh, I'm, some people might draw the similar conclusions to Hyrule Field from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which I have some complaints about. But I mean, that's if it's not, like the gonna, main area you start it, from, it's it, not. It you start in Kokiri Forest. Uh, that's true. So anyways, I have problems with that. But I get it. It's technically the hub that connects you to the rest of the world. But that's what we're talking about Because you start today. in Kokiri Forest, but then you make it to the fields, and then that's kind of like where you return Link to over Link doesn't over. live in the field. Well, I know. His but house that's still isn't the... there. Right. Anyways, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> but that's Apparently. the idea. That's the gist. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, so we've comprised a list. Each of us have three of these, and we'll be running through there. And, you know, might have a couple others pop up uh, as well. As we go through honorable mentions, exactly. So to kick off our main topic, I'm going to go first today. Going to start us off with my with some hub cities. Now this is one. I'm sure as we talk, I'm going to think of more. You probably are. Probably better. Feel feel free to correct yourself at any time and go off in a totally different direction. And I might do that because these (laughs) are the ones that when I was thinking about it and racked my brain about it, these are the ones that came up first. But like, no, I didn't even think about Mario's castle or Peach's castle, sorry, in Mario 64. What are you, an idiot guy? Sometimes I feel like that may be so because I just totally. Are you the one that loves Diddy Kong Racing? I am. I do love Diddy what Kong about Racing, the, um, but I haven't played it in forever, so oh, I don't remember right. anything about it. The much I love Diddy Kong Racing when I played it, but I was the last time I played it was maybe I was 12, 13 years old. How do, how dare you not remember it? Cell for cell, pixel for I pixel. Know. You would think you for would a game think. I claim to love mm-hmm. and really enjoyed. But guess we know who's a fake gamer boy. Yeah. <laughs> so those older games, I remember, you know, I've as I've always said, I've missed out a lot of those older ones, so I'm trying to fill the fill the void, as it were. But uh, I'm catching up slowly but surely. But my first one, though, might be somewhat of a surprise pick. I feel like I might know one of yours. I don't know if you'll know any of mine. Well, I wonder if you – you th- bitch, you think. Bitch, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Exactly. But I think uh, this first one might be a, a little bit of a surprise. But it is the Hyperion from StarCraft II Wings of Liberty. The what now? So it's your big... The big pardon? So, exactly. See? Because I only think it was going to be surprised because when from I brought StarCraft, the first StarCraft way back when, I think for the music, last oh, music yeah. episode, you and were I very surprised. Like, you play StarCraft. But I play StarCraft. I'm actually still surprised. I've totally forgotten that you had mentioned it previously. So That's it's, it's astounding. One that I don't play super often, and it's been a very long time since I played, so I had to go back and refresh myself a little bit on this. But the main hub of StarCraft II Wings of Liberty is... The Hyperion, which is your battle class, your battle cruiser that you fly around in, this captain by the main character that you play as, that you play as, I guess in quotes, Captain Jim Rayner. And basically, it's just this massive ship, and we'll put pictures up in the video side for for everybody to be able to look at and see what we're talking about here. But it's this massive battle cruiser that has tons of different areas, and as is usual with the hub sit with the hub areas, is where you go around and you can either make because since StarCraft is a real time strategy game, there are lots of different units, upgrades, and whatever that you can purchase. Apply to di- to old units and all this other stuff to be able to improve your army munitions, your resource gathering etc. And so that's what the majority of the 
of your time spent on the Hyperion is doing. So, for instance, the main areas of it are the armory, the bridge, the canti- and the cantina. The armory is, obviously, as it implies, it's where you go to get all your munitions and to get all your upgrades. What if it weren't? What if that's where, like, the cafeteria was? But That'd they call hilarious. it the armory? That'd like be so it. funny. That would be, actually be a pretty good name. I have really good suggestions for StarCraft Two. Are they still taking constructive I think they criticism? might have wrapped on that one. They came out with the DLCs or the beta? expansion packs, so they, they, might, they might be done with that one, I think. I think we might have run out of time. But Bummer. So that's where you do your I mean, armory, uh, munitions, upgrades. Then there's the cantina, which is kind of the social area of the crew. Now, granted, there's not necessarily a social area like with other multiplayer games where you're interacting with other players, but you're interacting with the crew. So you'll you'll run and be able to talk to your buddies, Gabriel Tosh uh, and Tychus. And I'm trying to remember some of these names. It's Like I said, it's been a little bit. But... The cantina was a fun area, too, because not only could you go and socialize with your crew, you could also – there was a jukebox that you could turn on and you could play. But it also had a fully functioning arcade game inside the cantina that you could play called Lost Viking, which is basically StarCraft's take on Galaga Space Invaders. Oh, I gotcha. Space Viking. (laughs) Lost Viking. Oh, Lost Viking. Okay, that makes a little more sense. So (laughs) you just can go in there and you can play this, and it has several levels. I was watching a video on the guy talking about it. It just refreshed my memory on it, but the guy saying you could spend 45 minutes to run through the whole Lost Viking game. So it's a nice little fun mini game on board okay. the ship. And then, of course, there's the bridge, which is where, as Jim Rayner, you can go in there. You can talk to your head honchos your, your, the, and crew and basically determine your mission selection screen is basically what it is. And so I remember it because it was so much nicer looking than the the mission selection and everything that from the original StarCraft, which is basically you had some, you know, for the time that StarCraft came out, it was basically a menu system. So to jump into yeah. StarCraft II, and then you have this ship that you can kind of explore and everything, that, that offered a lot more fun and just made it feel like this, because you're constantly basically on the run, hopping from system to system in StarCraft II to undertake all these missions. So it was just this fun inside view of a battle cruiser that you don't normally get to see in the StarCraft games, and so I feel like that's why it kind of stuck out in my head as a fun hub zone. Indeed. Very nicely done, good sir. Thank you. So I'm also in a bit of a conundrum because I'm waffling back and forth between two that I want to talk about. One is from a game that I have played many times and love. The other is from a game that I technically have not played myself, but that I watched somebody else play, and I was like, huh. This looks hard. Interesting. I don't think I would want to do this myself, but I'm enjoying watching you play it. Can you guess what the two games are? And if you guess correctly, we'll talk about that one. So one that you're... I'll give you a hint. The yeah, one I'm going to need a little bit more The on one that. that's really hard is really hard. And the next one is... Re- <laughs> no, like really hard. <laughs> like hard to guess or like it's a hard no, game? No, it's, re- it's a really hard game. Like, okay. think... Soul-crushingly Oh, hard. Dark Souls? Close. Bloodborne. Demon Souls. Demon Souls, damn it. Yeah, the OG. Oh, Demon the original Souls. ones. Okay, well now I'm curious as to what your other choice is going to be. Super Mario Galaxy. Oh. Yeah, two very different games. Well, then you pick your pick, which one? So Whichever I one. guess... So I'll give a quick... Um, honorary spot then to Super Mario Galaxy because the hub world of that game is Rosalina's Comet Observatory, which is essentially Space Princess Peach's Castle. It functions exactly the same as Peach's Castle does in that it is exactly what it sounds like. It's your hub world. It's how you get from point A to point B in terms of where do you go to select new quests? 
but it is very simplistic um, in that it doesn't really have a lot more to offer beyond just fun little side things to kind of discover along the way. Mm-hmm. And of course, being full of Lumas, one of the greatest video game creatures invented of all time. I adore Lumas. Whereas I think I want to talk a little bit more about Demon Souls, the Nexus, because it's got a little bit more to it in terms of depth. Yeah, see, I'm curious about this one as well, because so I Nexus. don't... I, I know Dark Souls, I know Bloodborne a little bit, but I really have not seen anything of Demon yeah. Souls. so Demon Souls, I think... I mean, obviously, it's the oldest of all of the Soulsborne games. Right. Uh, by extension, it does have a lot of, uh, by now, technical errors kind of associated with it, just because it was a little clunky. It didn't quite play super smooth. It was what? PS3? Era? Yes. Yeah, so it would have been an older game by this point. And of course, way too hard for me to be like, no, yeah. no thank you. But I watched Bro Mogan play it. Oh, okay. And so he spent a lot of time in the Nexus. And one of the key reasons that I remember the Nexus so well is A, he was there all the time. It's your hub world. B, it has a girl in it called either the Void Maiden or the Maiden in Black or like the, the Nexus Maiden. I don't actually remember remember what she was called but the gist is that she's this person that lives in this area called the nexus which think of like the interior of a massive cathedral that's kind of what the nexus looks like but darker Mm -hmm. so it just looks like this very somber a really kind of uh, intimidating place but there are no enemies there so the whole thing about the nexus is in comparison to the rest of demon souls it's the one place you really kind of can't die you're like oh thank god i can finally I'm breathe finally safe here and it does also do all of the other hub world functions such as it permits you to upgrade all of your materials and now of course the key reason the key way for you to do that in any of the soulsborne games is you get souls and you then use those to upgrade your own ability Abilities, and, of course, re-equip new armor that you may have collected along the way. So the premise of the Nexus is you, the character, have died, and there you are in the Nexus, and you basically have to go out and fight demons, of course. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about the Nexus is it, even though it does present the player with a sense of safety and a sense of home in a certain way, you are trying to escape. You're trying to get out of the Nexus because... It gets across this very subdued, kind of sad tone by the presence of the other characters in the Nexus. So the Void Maiden, honestly, I don't think that's what she's called. I think it's the Maiden in Black. Mm -hmm. I genuinely cannot remember. She's awesome. She has like this weird voice. I have no idea what kind of accent she's supposed to have, but it's weird. And I'm like, sure, Void Maiden, whatever you want. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you tell me to. Just give me the orders, lady. She's your primary NPC that you interact with the most with. But there are other NPCs that are actually the lost souls of other people. Hmm. A a blacksmith, for example, might be one of the other people there. A magician, maybe. I'm kind of making stuff up because I don't remember all the details, but you get the gist. The other people in the Nexus are there because they wanted to escape the outside world, but now that they're in the Nexus, they're trapped. They can't leave. They're there for eternity in a place that is really, I mean, is it better? than having to fight demons all the time? Who knows? How bored do you want to be for the rest of all of forever? So it's like, man, they probably really like having you around to distract them from the terror of eternity. Mm -hmm. So the Nexus is a really interesting concept in that 
it is your home base, but you're also trying to get away from it. Interesting. So that's why I want to talk a bit about the Nexus. Whereas with uh, Mario Galaxy's Comet Observatory, you want to be there forever. Right. It's awesome. It's a great place. Who doesn't want to hang out in space with little star babies that like eat little star bits? And Aww. Rosalina is there, and she's like awesome. It's like, yay! Can't take her at all. Very different places, but right. both very interesting in their own right. Interesting. Very nice. So very technically, nice. my number three would be the Nexus. There we go. Boom. Demon Souls, not Dark Souls, not Souls Demon Born, Souls, not Bloodborne. Demon Souls. There you have it, everybody. So my number two is one from another game that I like, and I'm actually going to kind of compare and contrast, or another one that I kind of rope into this because it's very similar, and I feel like is a fun way. Uh, uh, actually, there are, it's it's one type of mode of a hub city, I guess, where it's the not only is it a place where you can Store your collectibles, store your up, store your own weapons, armor, collectibles, things of that nature. You can also upgrade it to give you greater benefits and resources in the game. And it is Villa Auditore from Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, I actually wondered if you were going to mention, mention Assassin's Creed. Yes. I thought you might talk about that like weird underground thief village. Weird underground thief village. It's like a cave? From what game? Now maybe I'm thinking of the wrong game. Never mind. Okay. I don't know. Well, now I'm, I'm perplexed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I might be thinking of the, you. You talk. I'll look it up. But there are similar ones to this. And so this is just the one that I probably have the most experience with. But, like, you could also say your main camp in Red Dead Redemption 2 is very similar. Where you can provide upgrades and provide uh, resources to the camp to make it better. Uh, also, very, another hub city that is very similar is New York. Your main base in New York City in The Division. Oh, is also okay. it has upgrades where you can upgrade this so you can basically do this at Villa Auditore. It's your it's the from Assassin's Creed Two, so it's the Auditore. Ezio Auditore is the is your main character. It's his family's villa, and oh, aren't they fancy they with all their fancy. Italian nice money? Nice Italian riches. They probably got it from that corrupt pope. Nah, those bastards. Not because you killed the corrupt pope in Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so basically the whole. Just this one, and Assassin's Creed 2 also is the game that introduced where you could buy shops and all these different things. And so around real the estate? town, yeah, you could. And so basically, all the real estate purchases that you had would build back and be able to afford, would increase how much money you were able to make per hour oh, rather than just getting loot. Taxes. Basically, like that. Business so you taxes. can make upgrades to Villa Auditore, and you, which would then allow for either you to. Increase the amount of gold you could spend. You could also just like have some mere things. And a lot of them were just cosmetic. Like you could buy art. Could you improve the marble on the floors? You couldn't do that. The Italians were really into marble floors back in the era. that expensive into it. But because it wasn't full, like that idea of it being the main hub, it was like I honestly didn't do that much in it. I upgraded a few rooms and was able so I could store more armor sets and weapons. I got a, I bought a few paintings just to add a little bit of culture, that splash of culture. Typical male gamer. But then there were also other collectibles around it. Like there are these statues you could find. They're also in the earlier Assassin's Creed games, and I might have actually only be, it might have only been in one and two that this was a thing. There were these collectible flags that you could find, and there were some flags around the Villa Auditoria that you could that you could find as well. But basically, you know, it had a lot of different rooms, like your mother and sister had rooms there, which is where for you would go to collect – you could collect these eagle feathers around the, ma- around the map that you would return to your mother because that's what your younger brother collected before he, they were – your f- two brothers and your father were, were 
killed or executed right. in the beginning of the game. And so in her sadness, like you bring these feathers to your mother as like try to help her with her sorrow and grief. So that's just like a side mission kind yeah. of thing. So you can that's go and nice take all those things. It's a nice little side quest. Depressing, but there were like a hundred nice. feathers. Oh God. It took so, Wait, takes what a happens if you get all a hundred? You take them to her and even though she like hasn't said a word since the since your father and brothers were executed, she says thank you and it kind of brings her out of her sorrow. So okay. it has the desired right. effect. Very good. So you basically just can go around. It has all these upgradable sections of personal art. That's where you can place all your collectibles. Wait, and, which art pieces did you get? Oh man, were I they don't famous remember. ones? Did you like shank somebody and steal a Mona no, Lisa? No, you had to buy them. You could. Did you get a Botticelli? I don't know if the timing I, I is actually right. No I can't remember. Idea. <laughs> it's been so long since I played Assassin's Creed. What about a Caravaggio? Come on. But I just like so I bring up the Red Dead Redemption Two, your camp in Red Dead Redemption Two, and then even the home base in the Division because I just I like that type of hub. One that's not merely a place, but it also has some. You can change it and you can influence it yourself. So that's Indeed. why I kind of like. I bring Villa Auditoria is like my main listing here, but I bring up those two just to, as that type of that genre of Hub City as a whole. I really enjoy because it just gives a little bit more to the game. A little gives you a little bit. Again, I very am. I'm very geared towards getting achievements and for unlocking those things. So it, it gives me another step, another thing, goal for me to achieve. Right. And so I really enjoy having games where that is kind of another side goal, a side quest, as you will. And so uh, obviously I haven't spent as much time in the Red Dead Redemption 2 camp yet as I would have in Assassin's Creed 2. But that one's even more because you have to keep camp supplies at a certain level because you got to oh. keep everybody happy. But then you can buy more gear, which then allows, so say, like, the cook Pearson, it allows him to be able to craft materials for you and all this stuff. But like you have to buy him leather tools first, which are like 225 bucks. And that takes a long time to get. No, that's too much work. No, that's a I bad see, hub. World. See, I like also that. who would rather live in a camp with a bunch of dirty, gross cowboys than a freaking villa in Italy. Well, I mean, Hashtag yeah, nobody true. Yeah. But then, you know, mm. but still for the, for what they live in a nice house, the camp in, the camp my in grieving mom too. and sister <laughs> and your uncle Mario, <laughs> and who uncle greets Mario. you by saying it's a me Mario. Oh my God. Yeah. It's who great. wouldn't want that? Come it's on. Great. It is great. It is great. But I'm just saying the camp in red dead two is a, is a further expounded upon version of the Villa Auditory, basically. Gotcha. And then even in the division, same thing. You upgrade the armory, you upgrade the medical, you upgrade your tech centers that basically give you more benefits throughout the world and more stats to uh, to your equipment and your base stats and everything. So that's pretty much that. All righty then. Well, mine... You really don't have a whole lot that you can go in on. They don't have a lot I feel that like you can it's go a little into, low, but, but... It doesn't matter because hub worlds are there to act as your... Your emotional crutch, basically. Yeah, your support. And the game I'm going to talk about next is very much in need of that. Oh. Just in terms of you need time to be able to reassess and reconvene with your group before you head back out onto the next quest. It's Monster Hunter Worlds. I knew, this is the one that I knew you were going to talk yeah. about. This one I assumed you were going to talk about. I actually wasn't initially sure if I was going to talk about Astera. So again, this is Monster Hunter World, not any of the other previous ones because I haven't played any of right. them. But Monster Hunter World's Astera. So essentially, I think the premise of Monster Hunter World is that you are in, I guess, a new continent because I suppose in the previous games, like think of Europe to America kind mm -hmm. of. They refer to Astera as like this new world. They refer to the world around you as being totally new. You are essentially really bad colonizers, like just derping around killing dinosaurs. You're not even that good at it. Right. Like you kind of keep getting decimated all the time. 
But Astera is essentially this multi-tiered, it's really kind of its own village in its own right. Of course, every level has a ton that you can interact with. So level one is the trade yard. That's where your uh, potion selling dude is. That's where the melder is, where you take her materials that you've gathered and she can make you new uh, decorations for your weapons. Mm -hmm. One level, like a little bit up, like one little step up is the biologist. And he helps you grow new items if you've collected them out in the field and bring them back to him. He can cultivate them for you, including bugs, which is always kind of been weird to me. I'm like, how you growing them bugs, dude? What are you doing? What are you doing to them? I want to know. (laughs) Apparently. It's a well-known hobby. School children around the world do it. (laughs) Pin them to the board. Yeah, nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so your chief biologist nerd, he can help grow more bugs for you. You can, of course, go with the field research team, and they're the ones who gather all the information and tell you more about the monsters that you're hunting. The next level up is, of course, the the workshop. It's where the armorer lives, the blacksmith, him and the... What is her... No, wait, there's the armorer who is a lady, and she sells you base weapons. Mm-hmm. And there's the blacksmith who upgrades your weapons for you. So they can make you armor, weapons, more weapons than you can imagine, Jerry. You don't even know. Don't you even don't know. even know how many weapons there are until you've played Monster Hunter World, and then you're like, oh, From God. the little bit I saw from you, Bromogan, and Cody playing crazy. our Extra Life stream... There are a ton of weapons, there, we didn't and there even are so look many. At the weapons oh no! But, oh, but still, dude. just the variation of weapons that were at your there disposal are so was ridiculous. Many. There are so many, and then the next level up is, of course, the canteen. Now, the best part about the canteen that you may or may not have actually uh, been able to see very closely is the meowscular chef. So, of course, one of the key components of uh, Monster Hunter are palicos. They're like these little cat people. So they can talk and they're like sentient. The meowscular chef is this big buff palico (laughs) chef. And he's literally called the meowscular (laughs) chef. He's so funny. Come on, that's freaking hilarious. That's pretty good. And so eventually, if you work hard enough and do enough canteen quests, you can upgrade the canteen enough that, like, the mount. So every time you upgrade the canteen, you basically get a new cutscene mm-hmm. every time you order a meal and up until the final one the muscular chef just kind of supervises his little uh, plebeian cat chefs they like make you soup and stuff but then the final one once you've upgraded the canteen to max the muscular chef himself will actually take out his giant meat cleaver and cleave the little slices of meat and then flip them and roast them perfectly for you, and then present you with your dish. And it's like, Muscular Chef, uh, you're the best. <laughs> I love everything. I love everything about this. <laughs> <laughs> and then even the next level up, which is technically a ship in the sky, mm-hmm. it's like literally a boat. It's like a regular boat. Oh, I thought the whole thing was a boat from what I saw with it you guys. It kind of is. It's like a bunch of boats smashed together, um, like onto the side of a cliff. Like a shipyard. And the, yeah, it actually looks like the remains of a shipyard that they just slapped together. Because okay. they were like, we don't have time. We don't have to put something together. There's monsters out there. Are you kidding me? We don't have time to make it fancy. So the very, very top level is actually this place called the Gathering Hub. It's literally called the Hub. So the Gathering Hub is actually one of the few places that you, that's in, that's away from monsters, I should say, that you and your friends in real time can all go up to. So if you're in an online session with any other people and you all go up to the Gathering Hub, they're there in real time. It's just like any online game, you interact with them. And one of the best things about the Gathering Hub is that they built in so many opportunities for you to just derp around and have fun. 
the best thing about the gathering hub is it allows you or at least the best thing to me is it allows you a time away from monsters to show off your new armor to all your friends you're like look at my new armor Very buddy nice. I just recolored it it's pink now and I got a new fancy weapon <laughs> and like you just get to show off and you get to make emotes at each other that are ridiculous and then if you go up to like the bar area you and all your friends can sit down at a table and press R2 and L2 to drink beer and then if you drink enough beer and you get up your characters drunk oh, saw. and they like stumble around and then you like fall to the ground and then just kind of lounge there. <laughs> I meant to it's do that. fantastic. That's awesome. And in addition to, of course, all of you being up there, everybody's palicos are up there. So you're like, look at my new palico. I just got them this new armor. Don't they look so cute? And you're like, oh my God, they do look cute. I, I gotta say, I love all the customization that it's you can do in Monster Hunter It's one of the Hunter best. World. And so the Gathering Hub and Astera itself, they give you the opportunity to just like be silly and dumb, which mm-hmm. is one of the best things about Monster Monster Hunter. It's not a serious game. Every time you go out and fight monsters, fights are silly. You get launched into the air when you didn't think you were supposed to. You catch on fire all the time. You can you like derp around in the mud if a mud monster is getting you. It's a silly game. But all the same, quests can be stressful. Like, if you're trying to fight something that you're actually really kind of not at the right level for, you don't have very good armor to fight, it's a real bummer to get stunned all the time, to get all of your weapons, like, lose their sharpness every five seconds. You're just taking so much damage. Sometimes you die, and you fail the quest. Mm -hmm. And then you get teleported back to Astera, and they're like, wow, you suck. And you're like, well, yes, but factually, you are right about that. But here I am back in Astera to upgrade all of my armor and hopefully go back bigger and better than ever. So I guess the point of Astera is it is a fantastic hub of everything that you need and a ton of stuff that you didn't need but wanted regardless. Mm-hmm. One of the other fun little features is that you're like a new hunter, right? You're a new hunter in Astera. They've assigned you to the fifth division or whatever it's called. And it, the better you get in the game, you know, the more you actually progress through the story, you're like reputation built up and they're like, wow, you're like the best hunter we've ever seen. Right. And the people of Astera basically give you your own room. And at first, it's just like a little puny shack of a room, and you're like, oh, kind of sucks. Not very fancy on here. But once you get further enough along, just like with the muscular chef, eventually you get a big fancy room. Nice. And it kind of looks like the interior of like an old stone mansion, and your bed is huge, and you have a garden out back with a pond, and you have a fireplace, and there's two palicos that help each other play a harp for you all the time. Very cool. They just play you mood music all the time. And then your palico is there. And then you also have like a little palico servant who is just straight up your servant. And you're like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the best part about all of that, about your room, is that if you catch small monsters out in the field, which are really just, they're not really monsters, you don't fight them, Mm -hmm. but things like a toad. Like if you catch a paratoad, which is like this little toad that if you kick it, it like puffs up (laughs) and then it releases a cloud of paralysis smoke. And then of course it might paralyze you. And one of my favorite things to do is to be like, hey, hey, bro, Mogan, hey, Cody, come over here, come over here. Come over here. And then we all move into a tight circle around a paratoad. And then you kick it. And then it goes off. And then y'all just kind of lay on the ground twitching. <laughs> it's really funny. That's yeah. the kind of stuff that Monster Hunter is great at. If you catch a paratoad in like your net and bring it back to your room, you can release it into your room as a pet. And then if Man, you there's s- so much you can do. And then if you sit on your bed, your paratoad, depending on where you put it, it might like 
kind of crawl over to you oh. and then you get to pet it and then you feed it snacks and then it might go off and then you might be paralyzed in your room and it's like man is that a is... bomb that you want in your room yes <laughs> i caught a paratoad a bomb toad i can't what a, a nitro toad that's what they're called and oh a sleep toad the sleep toad is my favorite uh but yeah you can catch any small monster you can get your hands on and just release them into your room and there are like so many slots you could in theory have a room Full of small monsters, which is what I'm working on, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten there quite yet. I've mostly focused on the paratodes. Very nice. Oh, and one anglerfish that I keep in my pond. But yeah, so Astera, A plus plus for hub world design Seriously. and silliness factor. Because there's that one seems to be more in line with what I was talking about, with like the customizable, upgradable hub city uh, that I enjoy from like Red Dead Two and Assassin's Creed and Division, but. So that's really cool, but man, there's so much you can do to it. I'm going to show you a picture of the Mouscular Chef. Please put, put this in put the this in episode here. because he's he's the best. You're going to fall in love with a Mouscular Chef. <laughs> yeah, I got to see this guy. Hilarious. That is the Mouscular Chef. Very the middle nice. one. He's like a he, he's like way bigger than the other palicos, and he's like buff, and he has a big old yeah, meat cleaver sword. He's the best. Very nice. I love Mr. Mouscular Chef. Very cool. Very cool. Indeed. So the so what is it called again? Astera. 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 The Astera. Monster Hunter World. So I've got to say, quick little side note on the Monster World. What are your thoughts on the movie that's being made? Monster Hunter movie in production currently. What? I take it, I take it by your reaction. You had no idea. No. You're probably not going to like it. Of course not. Video games make shitty movies. The only exception is the Castlevania Netflix series. Well, especially when you hear who's directing it, Paul W.S. Anderson, who did all the Resident Evil movies, and it's starring Mila Jovovich. Who did all... Oh! Oh! The first couple of the Resident Evil movies were good. Yeah, actually, they were. The last ones... I correct myself, The last ones were not... Too great. No. I watched the most recent. Dude, the latest after one, two, was they terrible. were terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're bad. It was real bad. They're real bad. Uh, so apparently they're taking on Monster Hunter World in a new movie. It's currently in production. Uh, it's co-starring uh, Tony Jaw. Is, is, and they just released their first image for, from the movie. Why? Or Tony Jaw, sorry. Uh, and so there, there you go. He's, that's what we're looking at. Why are they doing this? Why Wait, not? is this actually based? Oh my god, he's meant to be Matt Mercer's character from. Wow, that is weird. So that's what's going on. Why? Why not? It's what the people want. It's really not. I know I've the never people heard don't want this. Say this no, nobody asked for this. You know, he got tired. They're done with Resident Evil, so now they're moving on to the next to the next series. I will say that once it eventually makes its way to the Sci-Fi Channel, I <laughs> like once it leaves theaters and inevitably winds up on like some sort of bad Sci-Fi marathon. I will watch it okay. because I am curious. I'll watch it too. I just, I'll, I'll watch it just about any movie. Now I will say that I think Monster Hunter actually has a fairly good. Ability, excuse me, flexibility mm-hmm. to potentially be made into a movie because the actual story of Monster Hunter sucks. Very light. So if they did away with the story and just did their own thing in the context of Monster Hunter, 
I mean, you could be a good idea. It could because you could have a a movie like Pacific Rim, which everybody was like giant robots fighting giant monsters. Is this going to be anything more than just like crazy fight scenes? But then it actually turned out to be really good. But also it was a great idea in the first place. But Monster Hunter World. I had my doubts until I saw it. Then I was like, this is amazing. I am concerned. The monsters of Monster Hunter are, of course, larger than life. And I feel like if they they are going to have to rely on CGI. Oh, it's going to be a CG fest. And and it could wind up being real. Really bad. So uh, this is from comicbook.com. Monster Hunter live action movie gets a first full set image plus official synopsis. The official synopsis is, quote, behind our world, there is another. A world of dangerous and powerful monsters that rule their domain with deadly ferocity. When Lieutenant Artemis Miliovich and her loyal soldiers are transported from our world to the new world, no. the unflappable lieutenant receives the shock of her life. No. In her desperate battle for survival against enormous enemies with incredible powers and unstoppable revolting attacks, Artemis will team up with a mysterious man who has found a way to fight back. No, that's t- awful. That's what it is. They should have just started it in the Oh my god! That's yeah, so worse I have seen I other images, and she's like a modern day soldier, and looks like a modern day soldier, and then now she seems Never like a Tony Jaws character. I'm, no, I'm off. You lost me. That's terrible. That's literally awful. Well, wow. We'll <laughs> okay. have to see and do a review. Uh, it's episode. already a double thumbs down from me. We'll have to follow up once it comes out yeah, and do like a review episode. We should do like episode. a team chat watches and yeah. like just film us watching it, like when uh, Shia LaBeouf. Filmed himself watching all of his own movies. Yep. We should do that. We should. But with all of the Resident Evils plus Monster Hunter. <laughs> all the classics of Paul all W.S. The classics. Anderson. <laughs> all right. Well, my last pick for Hub City is one that I think will also surprise due to the game that it comes from, in my opinion of that game in general now. But it is The Tower from Destiny. Oh, I actually wondered if you might talk about this. So this is Destiny Uno? Uno. Although okay. I have to say, in... Close second to this was going to be the farm from Destiny Two. Oh, I which, thought you were going to say from Stardew Valley. <laughs> well, I actually kind of thought about that one too. I did too, but I wanted to save it for exactly. our freaking Stardew episode. That was my thought on it too. But I was kind of like, ah, this whole thing is a hub world, yeah, and I love yeah. it. But anyway, we'll get onto that in another episode. Um, but so I, mainly it was the tower, and then really the farm is great. The hubs of Destiny are actually really well, really well rounded. They they offer the general fare like we like we've talked about vendors where you can upgrade and buy new gear. Cryptarchs who can decode engrams that you find in your travels and play and play through the worlds, which then give you other gear and stuff. You can talk to the commanders of the Vanguard, you know, Cade Six, Zavala, and Akora, and then you can also sp- talk to the Speaker, who is the person who is able to. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. The go between. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. The, the go between of the traveler, which is the big white sphere that is floating above the city, the city and the people of Earth, basically. And so the tower is on the wall of the last city of Earth, basically the last place that hasn't been overrun. And it's just the the main hub of your operations. You go there to buy ships. You go there to as I've already said, run through the whole deal. But then it had all these fun areas because this one, unlike other areas that I've talked about, it does have the interaction of other players who are playing the game at the same time. So as you're walking around, there are other people walking around with you. You can get into spontaneous dance parties. I know that I, I've seen a lot of footage of just Destiny like dance parties, just people doing this oh, thing. They're so fun. I don't even the, know. Like how when do you, I first how got do in, that dance? I don't know either. I'm not a good dancer <laughs> at all. But when you got when the first time I was playing Destiny and you went into there and 
then I'd seen videos online, and I, and I remember the first time I was like, I want to try this. I want to see if I can get one started. It totally worked. <laughs> I was able to get like 10 people all in this big crazy dance-off. It was hilarious, Excellent. and I loved it. And that just provides a little bit of fun. I know in Destiny 2 in the hub, in the tower, in the new and improved tower that they have, they're, they've – no, they did in Destiny 1 also, I believe, when – what sporting event was it? I think it was the World Cup. What they dropped sporting day was it? Sporting event. Oh, I was like, I believe what? it was the World Cup, and for Destiny Two at least. But they dropped like a soccer ball in there that people oh, they could kick fun. around and everything, and it was a lot of fun to have these little just random meetups with these other players. Because at the time, well, not at the time, but I feel because obviously there have been games like World of Warcraft and all this other stuff. But this was one of the first games I feel like that re- Destiny was one of the first that really had. And correct me if I'm wrong; I could be wrong on this. First game that I played, basically, that I said, where you did openly interact with other players in a lobby, basically. You didn't know who they were. They were just other people there running around doing their own thing, and there you were playing, too. And so for that level of engagement in the game obviously adds a pretty big factor into its playability and fun. And even though, yeah, I eventually fell off Destiny and then didn't stick around with Destiny 2 very long at all, I still did really love those areas. And especially, too, when they would open it up for new special events like the Iron Banner. You could walk into the Traveler's Walk, which is this whole other area that was normally closed off. And you could walk into it, and it's this nice, pretty, beautiful walkway. They gave a view of the of the earth beyond the wall and everything. It was just a very visually pleasing area to be and to look around. Also, too, that was another big thing of the tower. You're on a tower, so you have these huge vistas and landscapes to look at. <laughs> You've got the views. Oh, yeah. The sick views, bro. And <laughs> you could, you know, have your character sit down and look up at the traveler. You're just, uh, like, floating there like above the city. I do like that stuff. Like, hey there. <laughs> for some excellent screenshots and everything. Like, if Destiny had had an actual photo mode, that would have been really cool because you could have taken some sweet screenshots. Yeah. But for the screenshots you could just take from your normal screenshot capture, Looked pretty damn good. Good enough. Uh, but yeah, so they just always allowed for a lot of areas to go around and explore. You could go to the hangar and check and see your ship docked there. Uh, and so you just – it just gave you a lot to do, a lot to – and it always felt like it was ever-changing ever with all the different seasons like in the – not necessarily seasons weather, but like seasons in the game. Like they, when right. they would have special events, like I said, that you could go around and, and experience. And it just – it was just a fun area. It didn't feel like it was a stopover even though it's what it's supposed to be of a stopover in between your missions, but it still felt like a place you could spend some time in. Yeah. And there was always a lot of things to do, a lot of shops to see, to buy different collectibles. There's a gnat flying around. I know. Me. It's really trying to get you. It is not wanting to leave me alone right now. I don't know why it there's a gnat. It loves you. It does. <laughs> but it just was a really fun and probably one of the more hub cities that I've spent the most time in and had the most fun walking around and just seeing all the different sites. And I want to say in Destiny 1 too, there were even hidden collectibles I think there were like I think a couple of dead dead ghosts with your little robot buddy who this guy oh okay this dude who floats around um, you could find ones that had been they called them dead oh this is dusty <laughs> but they they were called dead ghosts but you could collect them and then so they could be revived and all that stuff but yeah so you could go around and find a couple of these and then of course it was also fun too because you could also jump off of it and then you could you would like fall and die. Even because you jumped That's off this funny. massive ta- tower. Yes, I would do that all the time. <laughs> and you could see all these people because there would be like these long, uh, 
thin platforms that you could walk off on. You'd see so many people like slowly inching out, inching out, inching out, inching out to see how Try far, see they, how could far they could get before without, they fell without off. falling off. Oh, yeah. that's really yeah, funny. Fun. And I, I can't like believe that. I can't tell you how many times when the ball, like the soccer ball, would be around kicking around, people would be going after it and chasing it, and they just like jump off accidentally trying to get the ball. <laughs> so that's awesome. It was pretty fun. It was just a really fun, neat hub area. Like I said, it wasn't one that you could upgrade and change around. Like I talked about, that I really enjoy that. Like in the division, but you had more interaction with things. And I think that just, it just really built up this more of a community era area than a lot of the other hubs that you, that I've played in. And so I that's why you. I really enjoyed the tower from destiny. The farm was cool. And why I thought about thinking of the farm, because same concept, it was just not in this, it was in this old abandoned farm that looked like what you would find anywhere on earth. And Boring. obviously with some technical, uh, technical improvements, technologically speaking, but it was just a different change of pace because it gave that more the feeling of, hey, this is our center on the run, basically. Ah, I gotcha. And, but also the soundtrack for that plays while you're at the farm was outstanding. You should listen to that. It's just called The Farm for the <laughs> Destiny 2 soundtrack, but it's really good. Simple and sweet. Yeah, simple and sweet. So that concludes my list of Hub Cities. Very nice then. Then I shall round us out with at least, I almost wanted to do all three of mine from the same game series. Oh. Can you guess what it is? Legend of Zelda. Of course. Can you guess which one? I'm going to say Wind Waker. Close. Very close. That is a very good guess. Phantom Hourglass? Is that one? An interesting guess. You do have a boat. Okay. Technically, is your hub? No. So, Breath of the Wild? No. Oh. But Breath of the Wild was almost because I wanted to talk about Hateno Village, mm. which is like my—that's where you build your house. It's yep. like your spiritual home. But no, 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 and no. It's Skyloft from Skyward Sword. <gasps> the one I didn't the guess. The one you didn't guess. And the one that you haven't played, you jerk. I know. Um, anyways. You so, know my track record of the Zelda games. I know. You it's not something that needs to be brought back it's, up over and over again. You should just stop trying. Um, <laughs> so Skyloft from Skyward Sword. Uh, again, Skyward Sword is a game that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with because on the one hand, it's I, I think it's a fantastic game. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It arguably has one of the better stories of a Legend of Zelda game, uh, especially in comparison to Breath of the Wild, which had like no story, in my opinion. Um, See, that's it, why I can't get into it. Well, sure. Okay. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Black Ops story mode is so good. Um, I never said the Black Ops story mode was good. <laughs> so uh, Skyward Sword had one of the most... I would say fleshed out stories of a lot of the other Legend of Zelda games, and at least one that was certainly new. Mm -hmm. So Skyward Sword essentially takes you to, I don't want to say an alternate reality, but Hyrule before it was Hyrule. Because the premise is that Earth was overrun by monsters, or Earth, whatever the world of Legend of Zelda is called, uh, was overrun by monsters. And so a goddess, Helia, decided, well, I'm just going to take my uh, chosen people here, the uh, humans slash aliens, and we're going to say, fuck you to everybody else, and I'm going to raise our, basically, uh, land into the sky. And so there's this whole system in the clouds, uh, protected by a dense cloud barrier below them. 
of just floating islands in the clouds. If that's not the best and prettiest, it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. So Skyloft itself is kind of a series of connected islands by bridges. Uh, And it's actually one of the larger hub worlds that I can think of in a Legend of Zelda game Mm -hmm. in terms of what all is there, like how much there is to interact with. The premise actually of Link's uh, character in Skyward Sword is that he's going to like soldier school. He's like a cadet. And in the school, there are other people who also all wear variations of like the classic green armor that he wears. It's kind of supposed to be the premise for what would eventually become the hero's armor. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really cool way to try and give context to the broader Legend of Zelda mythos. I don't agree with everything that they did. I think some of it is dumb. Uh, But I liked the execution in the context of Skyward Sword. You also have these, of course, you're a floating city. You're connected to a bunch of other islands, but how do you get to them? You gotta fly? You gotta fly. Oh, you fly on a bird, right? Yeah, you fly on a big old bird. I didn't know this. Because my buddy Michael played it when we were living together, and that's how I saw it. I've seen parts of it. So the birds are called loft wings, uh, and they are actually modeled after a real bird. Are you familiar with the shoe bill? Yes. We talked about this, I feel like. Oh, my God, they're so cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, loft wings. Oh, they got a big honking beak. Loft wings are these ridiculous looking birds. They're the size of chocobos, so, like, think giant ostrich. Yeah. Uh, but d- stupider <laughs> and somehow derpier and more lovable. And they're the people, they're the people, they're the creatures that ferry you between all the different worlds. And essentially everybody in Skyloft has their own loft wing. It's mm-hmm. like a rite of passage kind of. And they, all of the loft wings kind of match their riders and character and stuff. Very cool. Zelda's is of course a, an elegant purple loft wing. Mm-hmm. Link's is a derpy red one naturally. Uh, so it's a very, it's a world full of character. And the reason that it counts in much more so than I think any other Legend of Zelda game as a hub world, and this is kind of where the love-hate gets into context. So Skyloft um, is your hub world in that Link occasionally has to jump off of it to get to other regions on the ground. Mm-hmm. And there are three distinct regions on the ground. The reason that I hate it is once you're actually on the ground, you can't actually get to the other regions unless you return to Skyloft and do a jump into another one. I actually hate that mechanic. I think that once you're on the ground, you should be able, through one way or another, to get to the other locations, but that doesn't make any difference in how much I like Skyloft. I like it. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, vibrant world. It's got marketplaces. It's got tons of side quests for you to participate in. Really, the majority of your side quests come from Skyloft because that's where all the people are who can request things. There's a man who reads the future. He's a fortune teller, and eventually he loses his crystal ball. And he's so weird because he has a huge head and huge eyes that are like very crystalline. And he has tiny little hands. And you're like, why are your hands so small? Why are your eyes so big? Why is your mustache so small? He's a very scary man, but I love him. And he gets so sad when he loses his crystal ball. I would too. You That's your main mode of economic. You have to help him out. Yeah. So in terms of being the classic hub world of, it's where you go to upgrade your stuff. It's where you go to uh, refresh your hearts. So you can actually go back to your door room at the cadet academy at any time and take a nap on your bed you now can, that doesn't seem to apply with rules anytime they don't anytime. have like designated sleepy time they don't well they 
they do have nighttime. Okay. So if you go to sleep in a bed, it'll ask you, do you want to wake up at morning or at night? So you can wake up at night and like go derp around Skyloft at night, mm-hmm. which poses a bunch of other quests for you to be able to pursue. So in those term- terms, it does function very traditionally as a hub world. The reason that I pick it as my number one is that Skyloft actually has a very real function in the story of the game, which a lot of hub worlds don't. So of course, the premise is that Skyloft is a separated part of the world it used to be attached to. The goddess Helia took it into the sky to try and protect it, but now the premise of Skyward Sword is, okay, stuff's going wrong on the ground. There's this big giant monster, Ganon, surprise, Mm -hmm. surprise. Uh, We have to do something about it. And through the course of the game, you unlock more sections of Skyloft, eventually culminating in your finally discovering the final temple of the game, which is the dungeon. So mm. you get the final dungeon, and it's Skyloft. Oh, You're weird. like, oh, snap. Like a huge section of one of the bottoms of an island. You like push a button, you finally do something, and all the rocks break away, and it reveals what is essentially an upside-down pyramid that is the final temple. And you basically go into it at the top, where it's really, really small, and then it expands out. And it's a really neat That's idea cool. that the final temple is where you started. Home is where the heart is, am I right? And once you actually beat the game and you beat the final boss, surprise, it's canon. It actually kind of is bittersweet because uh, what ends up happening is you reunify Skyloft with the ground. You're like, okay, let's take this sucker back. And it's like, how? How are we, we going to do that? Um, in reality, it's just the one main temple that descends back into the earth. But it uh, essentially acts as, okay, cool, Helians. We're going to come back to regular earth and stop being sky people anymore. And part of that is like, oh, man, what? We don't get to like live in the sky anymore? It's freaking awesome up there. <laughs> but in this broader story of the game, it's okay. This is how the, all the rest of the games are meant to start from. This is their starting point. So I think it's a really interesting concept and I loved the way they pulled it off. Skyloft, Skyloft as a place is one of my favorites. I just adore Skyloft. It's so pretty. It's so fun. It's full of characters to love and hate, but mm. love to hate. So Skyloft is easily my number one. Very nice. Easily. Very nice pick. Well, that was our list of hub cities, main bases, home worlds, whatever you want to call it. And as usual, we would love to know what your favorites are as well. So send us an email, teamchatpodcast.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Send us a tweet. Comment on YouTube, Twitch, all the different places, or our Discord that you can join. Link is in the description below. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight which Mogan has prepared for us today. So mine is, of course, the Astera main day theme. Now, normally we would have a composer here, but there are multiple composers that worked on Monster Hunter World, so I'm afraid I do not know exactly which one did the day theme. But Astera, main theme, day. For Monster Hunter World. For Monster Hunter World. There you have it, everybody. So listen to that after the close of the episode, which is now. We hope you'll join us again next week for a new episode of Team Chat Podcast. Remember, that airs on Tuesday, 9 a.m. Central Time. But you'll be notified about it by following us on all the different social media channels and by subscribing to the show on podcast services or on YouTube and Twitch. But until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. Stick around for the song.